it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. Uh, the most underrated artists of all time. I think you got to go category by category. Yeah, you can't so, just like go general, I don't think. The the challenge for me, who's the most underrated rapper of all time? Because I have like a, a, a firm, I am almost 100% positive that this person is underrated for their success. It's probably, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be somebody who like spits really, really complex, well thought out bars, but they're not like the Travis Scott's of the world that like go after like the beats and things like so that. So this person I would, I would, I would claim right now off the top, this person was way bigger than Travis Scott ever was. Moment. 1999 through Will Smith. Bieber falling off. Usher. <laughs> so during the Usher moment, but this person I would say was comparable to Usher. He did many songs with Usher. Luda. Luda. That's a good call. Ludacris, if you listen to his discography, I put Melissa on recently back to like, and I put it on and she's like, yo, he's straight up on everybody who went big. I'm like, yes. Yeah. At one point in time, if you want Bieber, Bieber did like five songs with Ludacris. Yeah. Right. Usher, always with Ludacris. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, the Fast and the Furious movies, Ludacris. Yeah. Like he's literally in them. Yeah. Like he is so underrated because nobody talks about, you know, Whose favorite rapper is Ludacris? Like, who, True. who's top 10? I'll tell you right now, your top 10 has not made more money as a rapper than Ludacris. Who else is underrated? Who is super underrated? Juan Soto. <laughs> Welcome to the Grouse Crew Podcast. I'm Bill Rom. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe. Uh, we're dropping right in out of a out of a music podcast mm-hmm. that we don't do uh to talk juan soto yeah is juan soto the most underrated superstar in the game absolutely yeah because it's a very real possibility that he does not win mvp and that automatically <laughs> categorizes him as underrated yeah and so somebody said uh his average exit um angle mm-hmm. is only like six degrees Really? So it's the reason why he doesn't hit more home runs. That makes sense. Is he's just straight up a nasty dominating hitter. So he hit 29 home runs by accident. If he just yeah. was like, you know what, I'm going to tilt a little. But it's crazy, too, because some of his home runs go, like, straight up. And then they're just gone. And his power, it, that also makes sense, too, because his power the other way is ridiculous. And it's it's also he's, he just barrels everything up. Exactly. So when you, when you bat 330, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to hit a lot more balls than everybody else who bats 260, right? So Pete Alonso's average exit velocity and his average on like hits and home runs and launch angle, that's all going to be higher. Right. Just because it's either going out or it's not doing anything. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Juan's like, I hit everywhere, doubles, triples. I can drive it here, drive it there, go anywhere. Also sprinkle in 130 walks. Like, <laughs> like just low-key finesse in that I have more walks than some people have hits mm-hmm. on the season uh, while also being a god with the bat. Yeah. I mean, Juan, I, I, so we know, like, we, we did a shirt uh, and we had Juan Soto's, you know, likeness and autograph and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the lower-selling ones out of all the ones we did. Uh, meanwhile, he's probably the best player of this generation 
Now, crazy enough, speaking about Juan Soto, okay. uh, we were then shared something that somebody else on a different show, don't know what show, was like, Juan Soto needs $500 million. And I literally messaged in the group. I'm like, if you we, you were at the podcast, like Josh Shapiro sent it to us. And I'm like, dude, I literally just sat across from you and said, I'd give him $500 million. I'd do anything for him. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think a 12-year $500 million, like might not be enough. But I would do I would do twelve years five hundred million dollars right now. Well, they were just talking um, at the GM meetings like they're the Nats GM's like yeah we need to keep him for a long time. I don't know if that's just to save face to be like hey I want him, but they I mean, probably said the same thing about Bryce Harper. That's Gen- what I'm saying. You could generationally go back, yeah. That you allowed to just dip out so like and stay in your division no less. Facts. <laughs> so I, I want to miss it with all of that, and they didn't think he was worth it. Right, which we've all talked about. Like, yeah, like, is he worth it? No. Do I actually think that Bryce Harper consistently is a $30 million player? No. But this year, guess what? He was worth well more than $30 million. Absolutely. Right? And he's the guy, he's a borderline MVP candidate. But here's the craziest thing if he wins the MVP and Soto finishes second, Mm -hmm. both of y'all were on the same effing team two years ago. Like, Nationals, I know why you guys had to trade everybody away. You, You mismanaged life. Mm hmm. Like, just keep Bryce, keep Turner, keep Scherzer, keep Soto, win championships. Like, yeah. what, what are y'all doing? How'd yep. you guys screw that up? So that's probably the most mismanaged team in history, right? I don't know about in history because we've talked about the Yankees are mismanaged quite a bit. But, like, also, I'm talking about mismanaged going from World being a Series championship. team. Yeah. I think it – because as you are saying that, it, it is a point of, like, at, at, at what threshold do you say, okay, we've won a championship – now we have to disband and start over because this person needs to get paid and this person needs but to get paid. But they only let one guy go. Go. But that's what I'm saying is like why like why do that then? If you just want a championship and literally ev- or not everyone could stay on that team because they had some older guys, but like you could keep the core group for three to five more years. Why not do that? Yeah. Why not take the run? And I, I that that I look at and I go back and I say, wow, that really is the oddest of things. Mm-hmm. Is that you guys had that good of a team and you just allowed it to dissolve. And it's not like you're a, uh, an organization that's considered like hurting for money, yeah. right? Deets, what is? Can you pull that up? What their payroll was last year, mm-hmm. and maybe the, I guess maybe the year before that too. I'm just curious when they had uh, Harper left two years ago. Two, two, yeah. This was his second year. But and again, the like Phillies, Phillies have come out and spent all the money. Right. They, they signed Wheeler. Right. They they signed uh, Harper. Uh, they sign. Why am I blanking on his name? The catcher, Ramuto. Ramuto. Yeah. And like, they're saying they're this offseason they're going to go get, get some more expensive pitching, possibly. See, and <clears throat> what what's going wrong in Philadelphia? What's going wrong in Philly? I mean, it wasn't really their pitching. They were in the hunt towards the end of the season, but I they think- weren't. Nobody in the. And again, maybe again, we talked about it before the season started. The hardest division in baseball was the NL East. And then you watch the games go, and you're like, no, it's not. But then the team, one of the teams in the NL East wins the World Series. So, yes, it was, right? They all just bludgeoned each other, mm-hmm. right? Maybe the Mets were not as bad. Now, they had a down year, absolutely. Um, but they were winning up until a certain point. They mm-hmm. were a good team, right? The Phillies stuck around. Like, the, the, the Nationals punted everything, but uh, Atlanta wins everything. That division was hard. Mm-hmm. And is it? Is am I looking at the Phillies and thinking there was something wrong, or is it just that the division is that difficult? 
Um, I mean, I, I could see it being a little bit of both. I don't remember where they ranked in, um, like, I, I feel like they were missing the clutch thing that we were talking about. I think down the stretch, because that was the thing. At the, towards the end of the last season, it was up for grabs who who wins the division. Yep. And it, it came down to who, who, who was put clutch. more. Yeah, there you go. And the Braves constantly did the thing that they their stats said that they would do. Yeah. And I feel like the Phillies were kind of missing that a little bit. Maybe it's in the shortstop spot. Maybe that's that's where they go out and get a guy like Trevor Story or whatever, like we talked about in the last episode. I don't know. But, I mean, better pitching never hurts. There are guys available. I don't know if they necessarily get those guys. I think the the people who are Cy Young caliber that are available right now are probably going to go to more places where they're going to be the guys. Looking at it again, I don't think Stroman comes back, to be honest with you. Um, I could see Robbie Ray maybe going somewhere, too. I saw the Angels, and that's something I have here that the Angels are very interested in getting two top-tier guys, which they desperately need. Where do they come with the money? I don't know. Maybe they're starting a GoFundMe for themselves to afford these guys. I'm not sure. But they are at least putting it out there that they want to get better, So, which they desperately need. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree. I just The the challenge that we're all going to walk into is I think this this podcast at least agrees that uh, if Otani puts up another season like he did last year, just matches it. It won't be as incredible because it won't be the first time it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll probably end up not winning an MVP if he puts up the same numbers just because people will be like, eh, I've seen it before. And people will get bored of the novelty, not recognizing See, that it's and still And I think impossible. that's BS in its own right. Because I agree. It's like, it's like, but we've just been handing Mike Trout the MVP because he does the same thing every year and he's amazing. It's like, all right, cool, Mike, you just you just uh, star residency in the MVP trophy because it's yeah. you. Like, if, if Otani just put up the same – uh, stats again it, it should be i am a thousand percent with you i think otani if he does what he's doing now he should never not win the mvp yeah because he's it's the most valuable player in the league absolutely and he is the most valuable single position player in the entire league um but i, I again i just i don't know what's gonna happen um and yeah the so let's just stick with the analyst and do you have those numbers Deeds? yeah so uh i don't know how accurate they are because obviously salaries are a little bit weird but mm-hmm. um so 2019 season, the final payroll for the Washington Nationals was $179 million. Okay. Um, 2020, they finished at $208 million, And then this past season, they finished at $182 million. Now, that's obviously going to include, like, the contracts that they paid with Scherzer and Trey Turner. Well, but it also sounds like that things. back half of those contracts did get taken out. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, they paid some money, but they didn't pay all the money. Right. And that was part of them unloading. So, like, that's a team that we talked about before the season started. It sounds like the Nationals don't have money after the pandemic. Right? Because yeah. they needed to gut to get to a point that, like, if we don't do this now, we're not going to have money for Juan. Well, here's because the other, we're going to dip into savings. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is they traded away Scherzer, but they still have Strasburg until 2026 to make it $35 million a year on the books. Right. Oh. That's, do that's going to Cor- you have Corbin's uh, contract on there? Uh, his It's around 20. Uh, AAV is 23. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. When does it end? That one ends in 2024. So like gotcha. they're they have enough pitching. I mean, I don't necessarily think that uh, he's ever going to be the same again. Um, Who's Strauss? Yeah, he's also thirty three, which is older than I thought he was. No, he's been around the game for yeah. a long time. Yeah, I'm actually been... surprised he's only thirty three mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, he, I remember when he was in college and he was this electric hundred mile an hour arm, mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about, and he had lost all the weight and. 
You know, all of a sudden his body just popped on the scene, and people were like, this is incredible. And then he lived up to it. He's been a great pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's kind of got the same kind of vibes that we all are getting with Syndergaard uh, in terms of the injuries on that velocity. Uh, the big body men who just don't seem to be holding up necessarily with what's happening. Mm-hmm. A little too rigid, not loose. Um, and and that bearing down on them. Uh, yeah, I, the Nationals are in a tricky situation. Because at this point in time, like they got some nice young blood back. Mm-hmm. But your pitching staff is old. Your star player is young. You are misaligned mm-hmm. to some degree. He, he's in the prime and he's cheap. This should be the moment that you dip, you dip in. Right, you look yeah. at the NFL like when you draft that rookie quarterback, like put all your money in all the other in all the other baskets and take a shot at the title. Right, Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl before he got a a, a, a big contract. Um, Wentz Super Bowl before the big contract, like Deshaun Watson, big bef- before like they they were a good team and you were trying to build around him. Like Mahomes Super Bowl before the big contract. Now's the time. Mm-hmm. Soto's making nothing. Yeah, it could, but so you're you're it gonna make be. him fifty million dollars a year soon. Mm-hmm. It definitely could be that they're they're kind of in a in a weird financial spot. So they're like, all right, cool, let's let's reset. Let's so maybe when when is he eligible? Twenty twenty four, twenty six. I think I think he's he came up when he was nineteen. So you need six years. Twenty twenty five is his uh, first free agent year. That's okay. crazy. That's crazy. So they know. They know. So they have 20, four years, years to work with. 2023, 2024. So really, he, so it's after the 2024 season. Right. So so they said, cool, we're going to go all in on 2024, like reset for the next yeah. two years, and then 2024, let's go get another World Series, and then, Juan, you're gone, or they have vastly right, more Right, and that's money. my thing is, like, you're 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 missing, like, the, the time for title towns right now. Like, you got they, a three-year run. They show that they can flex up. With money to what did he say? One eighty was the top they yeah. had. So they could they no, could top figure they it out. Had was two o two o something. They 208? had two o eight in okay. uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. So they could do it. Yeah, it's just I'm, a matter. They they're, they're smart with the rest of their positions. So that that becomes my thing is do they have the money? And I think this off season is going to dictate what they are thinking. Mm-hmm. But if they don't go and sign somebody else to replace Trey Turner. Like the, and that's the thing that I don't understand. Scherzer, I got, mm-hmm. but getting rid of Turner is me is in my he's already undervalued. He's still got another year on his deal before he's a free agent, mm-hmm. and he's underpaid at that deal. Why did you move him if you were gonna then shoot your shot this year anyway or next year anyway? You wouldn't have done that. You would have kept Trey Turner. Yeah, I think it, ha- it partially has to do with the prospects they got back there. They had a bunch of old catchers. No they got, I mean, they're, they, they they got a top tier catching prospect and pitching prospect. Right, which makes me think they're out on trying to win right now. That's what I'm saying. So then, so you get those guys two if years. If they're out, what are you doing with your pitching? Nobody's going to touch Strasburg. Thirty-five million dollars a year for six more years, four more years. No thanks. Mm-mm. I don't unless he's doing what Scherzer does. I don't want your busted ass arm. No, still, Scherzer's done. Like I, I different, different monsters, different, different people for sure. Um, different cultural fit. Like mm-hmm. Scherzer's just a dog. Yep. Uh, but Trey Turner, them moving him is the biggest red flag that like they're out on it, and I don't see them trying to do anything to truly be competitive this year. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and you go, the Braves won. They're getting back Acuna. Who are they keeping of what they just got? 
The Braves are going to be good. Phillies are going to come after the title. The, the Mets are a wild card, man. The Mets are a wild card. So did you guys hear... Um, why am I blanking on his name? Sandy Alderson? No, the, the agent. Boris? Boris. Did you yeah. guys hear Scott Boris talking about Conforto? Yes. The, 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 the king of queens, the ace of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um, he had all these all, weird all these, Yeah, <laughs> he, he had this whole planned out douchey thing for mm-hmm. like how he's going to explain that Conforto is worth 25 plus million dollars a year on the open market. So my first question is, the Mets extended the qualifying offer. It looks like to me the Mets extended the qualifying offer not because they think that he was worth that amount, but because they knew that his agent thought he was worth more. Yeah, and then I also and also for the compensation when which is why up. I'm saying it because yep. he because in my head after the season that he just had, I did I don't know if Conforto was making more than twenty million dollars a year anyway. Uh, and would you sign would you sign for eighteen million dollars a year right now this off season? No, I'd say you want to probably re uh, uh, another bite at the apple, mm-hmm. sign the qualifying offer for eighteen four, right, and then put yourself back out there to put a better season on the board b- board before you're thirty, and cash in next year for twenty five million if you if you play the way that you did in twenty twenty. But like they they dumped it, and I just think that that's insanity. Yeah, no, I, it it was definitely a little surprising. I thought that like. I mean, I understand the concept of, like, giving them the qualifying, but, like, I don't want him back anyway. So, fine, we'll get his compensation for when he gets picked up by somebody else. Great. Um, but, I mean, he's making it seem like there's already a ton of interest in Conforto. Of course, he always of, like, says that. Yeah. He said that about Keiko while Keiko sat on the sidelines for forever waiting mm-hmm. to be signed. Yeah. And he had to wait until his compensation was gone before he got a prorated portion. So, yeah, he ended up getting some of the money that he wanted. But that that year in particular, he missed out on something in the ballpark of like fifteen million dollars, mm-hmm. fourteen million dollars. So like, if Keuchel had just signed his qualifying offer, he would have made eighteen. He would have made more that single year, mm-hmm. and then gotten the bite at the apple without any of these things going. Yeah, I just, I mean, like I've obviously probably watched Michael Conforto more than the rest of the people. Yeah, and like it just doesn't. He just doesn't give me the vibe that he's gonna get like what they're actually going to ask for. I think a lot of the teams are going to look at him and just say, hey, you're like a really good, decent veteran outfielder, but we're not going to pay $25 million a year for you. So the, the challenge is, right for me, at, at Michael Conforto's best, Michael Conforto is a top five right fielder. Sure. Right? But that's not all the time. So the, the <laughs> challenge has been is that we just witnessed a very clear not top 15 right fielder. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make it, oh, everybody understands. He caught COVID before the season started. That's why he was slow. Guys, everybody's jumping on the COVID thing way too much. If my man had COVID and was back playing baseball in two weeks, no problems. COVID did not slow his season down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you got to miss me on that whole thing. Yeah. Right? You're not playing a sport like when a, when a guy in the NFL gets it and misses two weeks because he's sick and he comes back and he starts slow, Sure. Because you're running around on a field full time for for 60 minutes on the field. You're, you're really there for three hours running around. Yeah, you're tired. There's a there's a cardiovascular aspect. Mm-hmm. When you're playing baseball, guys, you're sitting in the dugout between innings and resting fully a lot of the times. Because you you were the last out. You, you might be sitting in the dugout for two more innings. Like, I doubt that he said that and that was terrible and like, 
again, he's got to pump up the value of his guy, and I mm-hmm. get it. Did you hear Alderson's response when he said, uh, when he was told that that's what Boris said? No, I didn't see it. So I don't know if 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 we can pull up on YouTube uh, Sandy Alderson's response to Scott Boris. Uh, I know Sandy had a lot of things to say. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Sandy pretty much, for, for me, just kind of con- bringing it all together, mm-hmm. uh, he said that sounds like a pretty much a pompous gas bag talking. Like, in in aggressive tone, he was like, that, that dude's sounds like a pompous idiot an arrogant asshole Mm -hmm. like wow um this does not look like he's coming back to the mets like he's gone like i i can't after that comment like sandy's just like this dude's a waste of space and scott boris Mm -hmm. um so i'm interested to find out what happens with that but the the mets gm role is just so crazy right now and I think the answer is going to be the Mets aren't going to have a GM this year. I think it's a very real possibility. I think Sandy's son, Bryn, is going to be doing the GM role for mm-hmm. a year as the assistant GM, as Sandy kind of dual roles with him, um, until they can sign the guy they want next year. Because it it's now looking like they're not gonna make that they're not gonna make that move, um, and and from what I'm hearing and what we're all seeing on the internet, David Stearns is the guy they want. Mm-hmm. His his contract expires after next year, and that's who the Mets are now targeting. He wants the Mets job. The Mets want him there. He wasn't allowed to make the move over. He's got to wait a year, and then Stearns is gonna be the guy that they have managing City Fields affairs. Uh, but yeah, I don't think the Mets are going to do anything, and that means that we're going to sign a manager without knowing who our GM is. It means the GM is going to have to come in and be okay with the manager that we choose. Um, this is, is a this is a mess. There is a little update on the GM. Oh search. wow! Just looking at oh, it wow. right Live now. Oh wow! In real time. Uh, Adam Cromie. So Cromie, you know Adam, Adam Cromie worked for the Nationals organization. Yeah. Um, four years ago, he he was the assistant GM. Four years ago, he left to become a full time lawyer. Yeah, uh, he works in mergers and acquisitions, a few other things, uh, out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So smart brain, smart mind, guy in his mid thirties knows what he's doing. Has been a part of winning culture. Tell me what we're hearing. Could receive offer today. So my thing is, is that we're now going for a guy who hasn't been in baseball for four years. Gave up the position because he's like, yeah, you know, I'm out. The Mets are very clearly going to pay him more money than he was making as a lawyer, but. Does this feel like the guy they want, or no. does this just feel like, hey, listen, this is, this we you need somebody. It's who I am. We need somebody to do a little bit of these things, mm-hmm. negotiate some contracts, get some things down. Bryn's here to help you. Sandy's here to do it. Give us a year of your life. You can go right back to being a lawyer in a year if things don't work out. Things slay. We'll keep you. Things don't work. No harm, no foul. Enjoy all the money we gave you, and goodbye. This just seems kind of out now. On the flip side, I could see a world where Chromie's like the guy, like he he's an amazing character because mm-hmm. it looked like he left because there wasn't a line for him to succeed up with the Nationals organization. So mm-hmm. he said, F this, I'm pivoting, I'm going to go get some experience in some other areas. 
But he's been an assistant GM before. He's gotten almost all the way to the to to, to title town. Right. He put together and was part of the team that put together a World Series winning like team. Yeah. He he was there and he was involved in all of that. So uh, I don't hate it. Uh, I just hate that it just doesn't seem like right now there's very clear leadership in the Mets organization still. No, no, definitely not. Um, and I get transitioning for, in New York ownership can be arduous. Uh, you look at like any ownership change. I don't think we've had a good one in a long time. I think the best ownership change that we've all ever seen was when Leon Hess sold the Jets to uh, Woody, mm-hmm. and the Johnsons then got you know a whole bunch of winning seasons out of Herm Edwards and Rex Ryan, and they had some success. But mm-hmm. it, it's difficult to transition in New York. Yeah, no, definitely, especially like if you kind of look at the current makeup right now we have no manager we have sandy who allegedly doesn't want to be there steve's still trying to figure it out and we're having trouble getting someone in the gm position at all so like there's nobody driving this boat right now so we're (laughs) so so we talked about it i think in how i would really love for this to run Mm -hmm. i would love for the for the manager to be hired before the gm yes i would also like that and i'd like i'd like because i think there's so many available candidates right now that yep. are like very obviously would work and he can give his insight to even sandy and a and an assistant gm yep this is the style of player i'd like to go get mm-hmm. right so yep. here's what i see he also can then give his assessment on the current roster who should we bring back who do i like he can sit down have good conversations with a bunch of these guys get a feel for what the vibe is inside have some more like established motion. Do you lean more towards the the veteran manager over a uh, Carlos Beltran type? No. Okay. I do lean towards a. I lean more towards a guy who is a leader of men rather than a person who is an old school feel kind of guy mm-hmm. who's going to reject the analytics. I want somebody who acknowledges analytics are important mm-hmm. and they can inform decisions. I want somebody though, who's more someone who guys want to rally with and for, and who has a good idea of what the approach of the game needs to be. So like Beltron's like my dream candidate. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I've, I've opened up more to that. I don't mind a, an older, like, it would have to be the right person. I don't hundred percent know who's more into analytics and not. I know some of them have come out and said, I just blatantly just hate it and I don't care. Yeah. And that's not for me. Yeah. I, like there is a lot of information to pull from analytics and yeah. as much as you have a great feel for the game, let's, let's use all the tools we have. Yep. Um, and knowing what I know about Beltron, he is a, at least allegedly a, a baseball genius. Yep. And, I think he'd gel with the Mets players well, especially as we're kind of – it seems like we're going towards a more Latin team. Like, he would just kind of fit in there. So, I don't know. And again, I, don't know I think that, I think if they got if they brought Beltron in, it, it secures the bag on Soto. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Because I think at that point in time, like, Lindor's always – Lindor will be there till he's done mm-hmm. unless something catastrophic happens. It seems like they're also making some strides with Javi. Javi and them are having conversations mm-hmm. on, a, on a deal, right? You then bring in Beltron, right? You have a guy in Francisco Alvarez who's the number one prospect in the organization coming mm-hmm. up who is a Salvador Perez-type bat 
at catcher. Um, and then you, you, you have Soto who wants to be in New York. Mm-hmm. And you look at that whole thing and the vibe and what he wants and where he wants to be. Queens is that spot. It, it is it is not the Bronx. It is Mm-mm. Queens. Yeah. Um, he needs somewhere where he can go be the the star, the OBJ-esque. Yeah. Like, and he wants putting a, it all out He there. wants more of that. And we saw yep. it in the postseason, showing up at games, mm-hmm. sitting behind the plate. Like, Soto's like, I'm going to be a superstar. And I'm going to live life like a superstar. Yep. And I, I love to see it. Uh yeah, th- those are those are all interesting things. Uh, I also heard a lot of teams are going to try to get their business done before December first, which gives me again a lot of frustration with the Mets not having any direction right now. Mm-hmm. Is because every day we're spiraling and hurtling towards December first. And guys, what happens on December first? Uh, the CBA ends. CBA gone. Yeah. So how is anybody going to sign any contract? Do any work? If they're locked out, if there's nothing happening, if there's no progress on anything, mm-hmm. if the owners are like, nope, we're not going to do anything until a CBA happens, you got no contracts. you got nothing done. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what your team is. So let's assume that they lock everybody out for eight weeks even, right? Lock out for eight weeks. Eight weeks only. No contracts allowed to be signed. There's a lot of dudes with no cash getting put in their pocket, mm-hmm. right? So they let these guys sit waiting for their free agency to begin and they can't. Well, what's eight weeks after... December 1. Feb 1? Roughly Feb 1, guys. Yeah. What happens on Feb 1? We're two weeks out from pitch, from, from, from uh, spring training. Yep. We got less than two weeks for pitchers and catchers reporting for a lot of teams. So you're like, how are you going to sign free agents, build your team, and then just immediately have them report? Right? We don't know what we don't know about our team. Yeah. We don't know who's where, who's what. Who, who, and that's who, assuming that eight weeks is all it takes. And that's assuming that on Feb 1, everybody just starts signing these exorbitant contracts because we definitely got the CBA done. Mm-hmm. What if the CBA doesn't get done until, you know, February 15th? We're going to push the great. season back? If we are, we're, we're now talking about, like, we have no idea what the Mets team looks like at all. Nobody could be A signed. lot of teams aren't going to be just Mostly of- the Mets. I mean, for sure. Well, no. So other teams who might have problems if they don't do it by December first. Right. San Francisco Giants. And that's oh god, the Giants. Right. Everybody's gone. So many free agents. But I think with uh, with the the Mets in particular, not having someone at the helm, it's like, well, if we are going to make moves, they're going to be the safest possible moves, and they're going to be minimal, which I hate. Yep. Well, no. So I don't. Well, hate, I know you don't. I know you. You'd rather just be like, "Cool, we're just going to use everybody we have in our farm system." Which and go I, to town. I, I am hoping, upon hope, put the counter on the board that Brett Beatty and Khalil <laughs> Lee Ding. and Mark Vientos Ding. are in the lineup on opening day. That would be awesome. I would. I love, mean, Brett Beatty was a, a Arizona Fall League All Star, Fall Star, yep. and was just absolutely mashing. He's been Stud. amazing. He's been incredible, and the last time Vientos clearly both played in AAA this year, both of them, you know, under the age of 24, 23 or less, uh, they both smashed 950 OPSs in AAA. So they were under league average age, and they hit well above average for the, for the level. Is there a team in, in recent memory that you can think of that did something like you're suggesting We're kind of just going real young and inexperienced? So really young and inexperienced? No, but if I had to give you guys two teams from this past year who had a little bit of a youth movement, 
to allow themselves to just rock out, it's the Mariners and the Indians. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The Indians took the Mets players and put them out on the field. And Jimenez had only played a shortened year for the Mets, a shortstop. Mm-hmm. He played shortstop at, at the MLB level. Now, other, and then other than Bieber, their whole pitching staff's very young also. Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie Zach Plesak, uh, Logan Allen, all super young guys. Yep. So they, they, they let Tristan kind of figure some stuff out. He had some amazing starts. He had some trash mm-hmm. starts. But his second half was unbelievable. He set a whole bunch of records for them, right? Yep. Like. He showed you what the future can be, but you let him kind of learn at the at the show level, mm-hmm. right? He got a he got like a half day sent down to the minors, and then he was back up. Like I don't even think his plane landed, and they were like, "Yo, come back." Um, but like in in that situation, excuse me, um, the, those two teams went with relative youth and allowed it to go. And what were their records? Well, the Mariners were much better than the Indians. I can so tell you that. You you look up the Mariners, Dennis. If you can, I look actually up the have the average ages for all the teams this past year. Too, hit, like that. hit the uh, average so ages across the end of, uh, MLB. Cleveland Indians. They were the uh, youngest. Nailed it at twenty six point seven. Uh, the Orioles also at twenty six point seven. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays were third, which is scary to think about with how that team is constructed. <laughs> that is insane. Uh, they were twenty six point eight. The Texas next Rangers incoming dynasty. Texas Rangers, 26.8. Mariners were 27. Pirates, so, 27. So, again, like, just going right there. The Mariners were also 90 and 72. So, that's my point, right? What, and what were the Indians' record? Uh, Indians' record. The Indians were 80 and 82. So, that's my point. Both yeah. of those teams, the Mariners very much so succeeded with a yeah. young team. Mm-hmm. The Indians were not as bad as anybody thought. We all said, I, I said, the Indians have a shot. At being okay, mm-hmm. right? I don't think they took as big of a. And here's the crazy thing: both of those teams have made trades with the Mets, and both of them had better records than the Mets this year. So, like, my big thing is you are seeing it work. How did Wander Franco play out in in Tampa, right? How did his he's rookie, a rookie of the year candidate with like half a season? <laughs> how does rookie year go, right? Like, and, and he's there. Kalenic got brought up with the Mariners, and he was allowed to struggle. Mm-hmm. But then you saw some teams that just did not bring up young talent, and I hate it. And what you replaced it with just sucked. Like, perfect example, the Royals mm-hmm. and the Tigers. Okay. Finished, their, finished the season 16 back and 19 back. They had two guys, Spencer Torgelson and Bobby Witt Jr., who are, like, going to be premier dudes. Yep. And they didn't come up. And I thought that was ridiculous. Orioles, also ridiculous. So the Orioles are the one that I'm, I'm 48 games back. So the Orioles are the ones that I'm pulling up right now. And the player that we're talking about is 23-year-old AAA player Adley Rushman, former first overall pick a number mm-hmm. of years back, friend of the brand. Uh, and all he did as a catcher in AAA is bat 285 with an 899 OPS with 23 home runs. Beast. An absolute monster. And this was after 2020 not getting into any real games. Yep. Because of minor leagues not existing. So this dude came out out of the gate after really having to sit for a long time. And he absolutely mashed. He had a 397 on base percentage. And a 502 slugging. Your team was terrible, and you're one of the youngest teams in the league already. Why was this guy not up? Now, we know why. Guys are manipulating service time and all this other stuff. But I think that we've gotten so caught up in service time Mm -hmm. that we're also just losing good players, and we're playing guys who are meh. 
for the hope that if this other guy isn't meh, I have him until he's 32. But like the 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 challenge that comes to me is is that then you're trying to sign a 32 year old and he wants a five year deal, where just if you bring the guy up instead of bringing him up when he's 26, you bring him up when he's 23, and instead of him being good when he's 28, he's good when he's 25. Yeah, I now have to sign him when he's 28, 29. But now I'm going to be able to buy out years. I'll, I'll be able to look at a guy and be like, hey, I know you're good. Mm-hmm. So let me buy out arbitration years. I've seen two good years of you now. I know this isn't going away. Let me buy out your arbitration and get you for cheaper than I would if you got to the end. Mm-hmm. Dennis, you look like you got smiles. I, I just have a stupid stat, and I went down a rabbit hole because we talked about the Orioles. And remember we brought up Austin Hayes having like a stupid on-base percent or uh, OPS when uh, mm-hmm. yes. runners in scoring position. Yep. His OPS for the season this year was 714. With runners in scoring position, it was 915. With the bases loaded, it was 1323. And that is just <laughs> absolutely stupid. Again, this this is just for me. Like, the Orioles have, like, functional issues that the organization needs to overcome. Mm-hmm. But the Mariners and um, the... Uh, the Mariners and the uh, Orioles and the Indians all have three different case studies on why you bring up young guys. Mm-hmm. If your team sucks, bring up the young guy and find out if you can be better than you are right now. Right? Mm-hmm. Why are you hiding a 23-year-old catcher? Like, you guys just lost. A th- Imagine he was those numbers. If he's those numbers next year. If Adley Rushman comes up and he's the starting catcher on opening day, which he won't be because they'll manipulate his service time again to get him past that. It's going to be like April, whatever, 15th he'll, or whatever yeah. He'll have to sit down there for three weeks and wait so that he doesn't count as an actual player, mm-hmm. which is the biggest bullshit in the world. Um, but Adley, if Adley comes up and all he does is bat 285 with an 899 OPS and he's pretty much like peak uh, Buster Posey and he does it right out of the box, you wasted a good season. Because that good season that he had in AAA should have been in the league. Mm-hmm. And if you had that, maybe you would have won more games. And if you won more games, maybe you'd be looking at everything a little bit differently. Your fans are a little bit more excited. They think you can do some stuff. Maybe you look at a free agent a little differently because you go, hey, you know what? This kid can hit. This kid guy can hit. This guy can hit. We're maybe only one or two pieces away from having a functional team. And that's what you saw the Indians do. They went out and they got a couple of guys who were young but hadn't fully gotten to their potential. And Ahmed Rosario going to be a starter in the league for the next eight years, right? He's a guy with around an 800 OPS. Mm-hmm. He's 25. Yeah, he might not be a shortstop, right? He might not be a second baseman. He might be a center fielder. But the bat's legit, and the athleticism's legit, and all the other things are legit. And you're paying him nothing. Yeah. And he's and, and then you have Jimenez. You're paying him nothing. Let those guys rock. And you you know what you saw? A decent team. And now the Indians would have to take a step back and go, okay. Well, we're going to get natural age progression out of one, one, two, three guys. They, they're going to get a little bit better. Where do we want to put more time? Where do we want to put more stuff? We, we have a whole bunch of money now because we got rid of guys. Mm-hmm. Carrasco and Lindor's contracts are off our books. We saved $40 million this year. We got, to, we got to take a year where we were entertaining. We made some money. Cool, let's lean back in and let's mm-hmm. be a good team again because it wasn't too long ago that the Indians were a World Series-type team. Cool, reset, reload. Yeah. If you're the Mariners... The Mariners are going to come out and sign Conforto to play right field for them. They're going to go get that 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 guy who's 28, who's got experience, who's been a really good hitter, and they're going to put him on a 90-win team, and they're going to win more games. Yep. 
and just the progression of guys leaving the Mets, they automatically get better in some capacity. Well, so they're going to be listen. Don't don't be <laughs> don't be that defeatist Mets guy. Like uh, my, I mean, my 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 bigger issue with the Mets in terms of that is the Mets have had really good times. It's just you gotta you gotta be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive, and you gotta be passive when it's time to be passive. Mm-hmm. I would tell you right now, the Mets were already aggressive, but they have too many unknowns for me to go out and spend big money on players. Yep. So I'd rather sit out this year's free agency and and roll the dice a little bit on our young triple A level guys. And then the guys we already have. Because if I told you every single day, like if the Mets traded nobody and I just got progression and I lost Conforto and Nimmo shifts over to right field, we play Khalili in, se- in center. Two of the guys who I have in the outfield have had 850-plus OPS seasons in the last two years. In, in, in Nimmo and in Dom Smith. So my outfield can bang. So let me just let Khalil Lee figure it out. And then you go back to the infield, and you're going to have Pete Alonso, Lindor, potentially Javi, and then you can have a guy, if you wanted to, like Beatty, come up. And if you don't, you still have 800-plus OPS J.D. Davis. You still have a guy like Jeff McNeil coming off the bench unless you trade him. Yeah, it's not bad. The 2023 free agent class is going to be very interesting. That's why I would wait it out a year. But not it's it's very different than this year's in that the majority of these guys are older. Are going to be, like, the majority of them are 32-plus. And like like you're talking about Arenado's, um, Turner, Brantley, like guys like that who are veterans but may not get like big money. So I don't know if that's something where the Mets get their young guys their experience this year and yeah. then they get the the couple veteran pieces. Like I would love Michael Brantley. I love him. But, but put it put it in real in real real terms. Like if the Mets have Degrom, Degrom also a free agent that year. If if the Mets have Degrom. The Mets have Syndergaard. Um, do we think that uh, why am I blanking on his name? McGill. Do we think McGill's a piece? I'm thinking he's a three-four. Yeah. Right. Three, good, three, My four question the, is, we had a, we had a guy who looked real good for a while, right? And then his arm collapsed a little bit, and then we found out it's because he needed to get Tommy John. Yep. Who's that guy? Who's that lefty whose elbow popped on him a little bit? Steven Matz? David Peterson. David Peterson. Okay. Right? <laughs> like, Peterson to me is a fine pitcher. P- he Peterson was fine. to me. Peterson yeah. to me is Steven Matz. But I'm saying, like, but Peterson's legitimately that that guy can go out and he can pitch innings. Mm-hmm. So you're talking DeGrom, Syndergaard, Peterson, McGill, and the Mets lost their top, uh, their top pitching prospect, Allen. Uh, he got TJ to mm-hmm. start this year. Right? But he's going to be a guy who comes back next year. He's very highly ranked. And he's highly ranked. And he is looked at as a great player. So that guy is sitting there. We have no idea what he even is. We're, we're talking about this, this Mets team. And we're saying all this stuff. The reality is, is that I have more than enough to be a good team this year. And the Mets have more than enough in their minor leagues. That if they were a good team by the halfway point, go ahead and trade some guys. Mm-hmm. Right? But, like, I would run it back with mostly this team next year, and I would not invest in free agency. I think it's foolish, I think it's short-sighted, and I think it cash-straps you for no reason. Mm-hmm. Instead, roll the dice on some guys, see who can actually play, and go from there. 
Because Pete, Pete Alonzo, he looked like he found his confidence again. Right? Yep. The all star the all-star break, that that refilled his confidence, and his confidence was at eleven going right into it. Mm-hmm. Right? Lindor. Lindor looked like he found all his stuff again. Right? He had already found it, then he got hurt, he came back, he still had it. Right? Javi Baez looks like he was figuring out comfortability of New York, making some big plays, doing some stuff. Nimmo is always a savage. JD Davis is a really solid player. McCann is a really solid catcher. Dom Smith could be even better. Mm-hmm. No idea. Jeff no McNeil clue. needs to go. Yep. But Jeff McNeil should bring us back at least a usable piece in the bullpen. And that's and that's where I go. I look at the bullpen. I say, I want to keep our bullpen still strong. Mm-hmm. I want to let some of our pitching figure itself out. We probably need to sign one pitcher. But the reality is, is that we're replacing, because we still have Carrasco, who missed almost the entire year with injury, and he should be at least a, a middling guy for one season for us. And he's just a placeholder for future money. But if you, I told you right now, really our pitching staff of this this past season, you're just replacing Syndergaard for Stroman. Everything else will be the same. And you'll have Carrasco for longer, hopefully. And you'll have DeGrom healthy for a full season, hopefully. But if that happens, the Mets are a good team. Why spend the money? You already did it. You already got Javi. And that's yeah. where I think they just need to risk it on some of their young guys. Yeah. I and I, I'd rather follow the Mariners' approach here. No, I, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards that. And I think, if, if anything, getting us one more pitcher, locking down Javi, is a good start. It's a safe play, and then we kind of but, – but at the same time, there's still a ton of talk they're going. they're trying to get Chris Bryant. I just oh, so if, seeing it all the time so, right now. So one of the things that I'd say is I'm here for Chris Bryant I replacing don't, either J.D. Davis or replacing uh, Conforto. Yes, that, that's or, or that's Dom why Smith I like Bryant over a, like Correa or somebody else's because he is more versatile in that aspect. If you told me that Chris Bryant's going to play the left side of our like lineup, mm-hmm. third or left field, and we're going to trade Dom Smith and jd davis and jeff mcneil i'd expect what we bring in for those three players to secure the bag for us to some degree yeah right like i i expect that team to be solid now i would say i would keep jd and jd would be the last guy i traded Mm -hmm. because jd can play third and bryant can play left field until we bring up vientos to play left field move bryant to third and then allow davis to be a, a hitter off the bench kind of utility infielder how many if you were going to get brian how many years would you bring him in for because remember <sighs> we're also talking about so, brett Beatty here so if i'm talking well so again that's why to me brian can play left field and we also don't know if we're gonna have the dh right right if we end up getting the dh that doesn't matter to me that's why i'm saying i keep davis and he's the last guy i trade mm-hmm. because ultimately for me his back can stay in the lineup better than any of the other guys bats because it's just more versatile and more dynamic in general um dom is is too much of a variable mm-hmm. uh but I, th- I think he's a better hitter than he showed but i think he needs to be a first baseman so he can focus fully on his bat yeah um mcneil to me just has too many much problems in the in the clubhouse and that's one of the reasons why I'll, i also think a guy like conforto's gone i think mcneil was one of conforto's guys mm-hmm. and i think that th- that there became a divide in the locker room after that choke choke out situation mm-hmm. right like that just completely ruins that so to me Bryant would come in and secure the culture a little bit because he'd help substantiate that uh I'd give Bryant five years 
I like that. And I was going to say I, like a mid. I, I do five a hundred. That's not bad. I'm probably a little. I'm probably a little overpaying early, a lot overpaying late. Okay. I I probably could see him looking for more than twenty. What do you say, five hundred? Five hundred. I think I can he's see thirty-one, thirty-two. Something like that. Yes, sir. Dennis. He's uh twenty. He's about to turn thirty, but market value right now they're estimating Chris Bryant at uh twenty-three point five million a year. Okay, that's they what don't give say. me like a timeline, 25. but that's what I got. So like the challenge. So would you, so would you, would the, you do five one twenty-five? So so hear me out on this, right? Because okay. this is a real thing. Over the last four years, who's been a better hitter, Chris Bryant or Michael Conforto? Like, I'm actually, I'm honestly asking that question. Like, can we pull up and can we go? I have Conforto's numbers. Just I'm give getting me a Chris Bryant. Cool. See? This, the the squad go. knows how to work together. And oh. then also I have an exercise that we could do about Conforto's contract last five? if we wanted to. Last what? five seasons we're talking? Last Last five. Gersh, you want to... Uh, sure, I'll, I'll kick it off. So, going back to... 2016. Yes. 2016. Or 2017. 2017. 2017, yes. Uh, OPS for uh, Bryant, 945, 834. Hold on, hold on. Just go 17. You want to go OPS. 17? 946. 8.56. I'll give it to Bryant. Sure. 2019. 903. 8.56. I'll give it to Bryant. 2020. 6.44. It was only 54 games at Conforto, but 9.27. Only 34 of uh, Bryant on that. Well, that's because it was a shortened season.
but I think that is the safe and probably the right move for them if we're going to go 5-100. Right. I, yeah. I, 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 and if you wanted 110, I would think about it. Yeah. Right? Because I could start to think in my head. I'd be like, okay, 110, like it's 10 more million. Mm-hmm. Cost five years. You get an extra $2 million a year. That doesn't move the needle that's for me. That's where I think is the – player who'd be a good cultural fit. Yes. I think that's the, the 22 to 23 a year is like the happy Chef's medium. Kiss. Yeah. And that, that, to me, again, goes back to if Conforto, to me, is an $18 million player. Is he a Boris guy? Can't be. Can't be. I hope not. If he's a Boris guy, he's not coming to the Mets. No. <laughs> I mean, Syndergaard's a, a Boris guy, right? He might he might take it. I hope he takes it. That would be the smart thing. Syndergaard's taking it. Yeah. Syndergaard's taking it. I have a question. Sure. Yes. So, in – Right now, we're looking at the free agent class of outfielders. There's only four guys that made more money this past year than Conforto, one of which is a guy that Gerson's been talking about a lot, Nick Castellanos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nick Castellanos right now, his market value, they're guessing it's around $21 million a year. He's a year older than Conforto. 21 that's it? Yeah. Really? Um, Look at his actual numbers. His numbers are not bad over the course of his career. So Same thing with Conforto. Um, my my question is, do you go with someone like that where it's going to cost you a little bit more than Conforto would have been, but the bat is probably going to be slightly better? Well, so th- then this goes back to, like, uh, do I take Boris's side on something, right? It, do we have a recency bias on the bad season by Conforto and we're forgetting the 600 OPS season by Chris Bryant? That was, a 2020, right? That was 2020. Right. So, yeah. But if we had flip-flopped it and we had said that Conforto and his bad year were both the same time, Right. Conforto would have won three out of the five years OPSs, right? And Conforto would be considered just as good as him. And their 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 OPSs, and we'd be looking at Chris Bryant like, hey, he's aging down. Like, he was good younger in his career. The bats dropped off a little bit, blah, blah, whatever you want to say. So we have a little bit of a recency bias on Conforto not having a great year while every single player on the Mets had a down year for their numbers. Every single one almost across the board. No one had a good year. I've never seen a team be this bad systemically together that the Mets were this year. Yeah, Everyone was, was garbage. It was Everyone was garbage at the same time. Then you got a little bit of hope because Pete Alonso figured it out second half, but his overall season numbers don't look super, super impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Castellanos is like roughly a 300 hitter for like most of his. But with less power. Yeah, his home runs. I mean, last year he had 34 home runs. But he kind of averages like 15 to 20. Right. And, yeah. And I would tell you when I think about Conforto, I think about 26 home runs. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's to me like a typical full. How many homers did Conforto have last year? In 54 games? Uh, probably 16. Or, the, or this year, whatever. This, this year that just happened, yeah. he had 14. Okay. But he also didn't play the full season. He was hurt for a little while. Uh, he played 125 games. Right. So he missed, but he missed 40 games. Yeah. Right. So he would have been a 20 home run guy if he doesn't miss any time. And then on top of that, if we're saying that he was, he was hurt and that sapped something from him. Mm -hmm. And then also the Mets down year. So again, I've been on the bandwagon of the difference between Conforto and Harper is not that big. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think, I think the reason why I'm saying Conforto doesn't get a lot this year is because of the recency bias of what he got. But I don't think that there's any difference really between Chris Bryant, Castellanos and Conforto. And I would give it's all of them relatively the same amount of money. I think the only difference for me with Chris Bryant is the versatility at third and and outfield, mm-hmm. because it gives the Mets what they need. 
Conforto has been our right fielder. It would become Nimmo. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think we're underselling Conforto because of the recency bias of a bad year. Mm-hmm. And we're putting some stink on him. But I, 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 that's why I just don't I don't want any of those guys. Well, here's here's my thought, too. Is are is it being overvalued just because they're the cream of the crop, call it, for this offseason? Because there's only seven outfielders currently making more than uh, $20 million a year on average. You have Justin Upton, Jason Hayward, George Springer, Bryce Harper, Christian Yelich, Mookie Betts, and Mike Trout. Outside of Upton and Hayward, I would say that you so yeah, give me, not putting them in the right class. So 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 my question is, who's a thirty who's a thirty one year old outfielder who's gotten to this contract who's better than Conforto? Um, I mean, didn't Mike Trout get it at thirty? Mike Trout's young, like a different case study. Okay, I'm saying like who we're not in talking their, about, who got paid less, who signed their contract, but it's less than twenty million. Because you're telling me the guys who are all making more than him, but part of that is if we have a guy who three years ago signed for $19 million a year, $18 million a year, right? Mm-hmm. Like that guy's contract at the time was good, but he signed a six-year deal at $18 million a year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But who is that guy? Who's a in his 30s, early 30s outfielder who's still banging, but just we're, we're forgetting about? Ozuna? Because you said it's out. there's out only so many outfielders. Well, you're talking about free agents? No, these are, like, I was giving... Well, my, Mike Stanton is better. Giancarlo? No, Mike. I said it specifically. <laughs> I made a choice. Better at what? He, I guess he might not be. He's, got better, num- he's got better numbers OPS-wise, and he's making more money. Uh, yeah, but... Well, I'm saying... But he doesn't play. But yeah, I'm saying, but, he's, he's a DH making 25. Yeah, but he's making 25, but you can't count him as a DH. He plays the outfield. He mainly DHs. Right, but he, that's why the, so, like, the Yankees th- are always misconstructed. Are you thinking about like right field specifically? Because like, no, I'm thinking about outfield. Can you show me uh, what Starling Marte's Bryce Harper value is going to be? Bryce Harper makes more than him. Marte, I don't have. Starling any. Marte is the guy who I would go get. Like it's he's, center. He's, you weren't going to start somebody because I don't think we need a corner outfielder. I'd Mar- rather have a center if we're going to spend the money. Marte yeah. last year made twelve point five, so a little bit more than Conforto. Since he's, he's older, I don't picture his contract being as high. How old high is he? As he? He's thirty two. Thirty three. Okay. So no, again, I, I think that you're saying that, but average annual salary, Marte might come in and get twenty plus million. Yeah, because he's he's earned it. Where's uh? What about Cattell Marte? I don't have him up. I can look it up. Okay. And that's my that. So really, the point that I'm I think we're getting to is twenty million dollars around the line of demarcation for a a, a bat. That's, that's mid twenty five home run. Yeah, for like, decent bat, good outfielder. Yeah, like twenty million. A guy with a a guy with an eight thirty plus OPS who's an outfielder is looking at twenty to twenty five million dollars. Yeah, and if you're Chris Bryant, you have a little more versatility. Cool, we'll give you twenty two, twenty three. Right. And like that's that's kind of my thing. It's like I look at the Mets. I don't need more corner. I just don't look at corner and say, hey, that's what where does I Joey go. Gallo get paid? Gallo still got one more year left, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a corner infielder that went to the outfield type thing with a big bat. Yeah. He is 9.5. Okay. Is that like a one-year deal, or what was that? Yeah, it looks like it's just a uh, one-year deal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm. So It'll you, be very interesting. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. when you When you really start to line it up, like, I just don't know why I want to pay that money. If I'm the Mets. Yeah. 
especially with the Mets minor league system, you know what the Mets don't need? Hitters. I'd tell you right now, right this second, the Mets have four or five guys who are inside of the, a year that they can hit at the MLB level. And if we're, we're really aggressive on Beatty, Beatty could be up on the show next year. I could see Vientos, Beatty, and Khalil Lee all up on the on the Mets next year mm-hmm. from a talent standpoint. I mean, listen. No, the year after, I see Francisco Alvarez. Yeah. I mean, Khalil Lee got in early this year. All because of injuries, like, he yeah. was there. Yeah. And he, he was on the cusp, and they were like, all right, cool, you didn't do that good. You go back down and get some work, do your thing. But then just well, he never did. brought him up. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I just don't get it. I, yeah. I don't understand it. You... I get you're using an option. There, yes, and there was some. There were plenty of opportunities for him to come up. Plenty, but, but they just didn't have this moment. Because like Pete Alonso was saying all that that BS about oh we're still in it we're still in it like just relax we got this like no you didn't like and, and then you to bomb it as bad as you did like you got to eat that you got to take that on the chin. Yeah, I mean he said that and we were all like <laughs> we know how this is about to go, brother. That ain't, that ain't it, Chief. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I just. It, the the fact that the CBA exists in at all yeah. is just going to create so much havoc here. Yeah. I like that there's all these conversations happening, but I think they're happening now because of what's going to happen. And yeah, you're already weeks. getting guys signed. People are doing all sorts of stuff, shifting things around. Mm-hmm. And one thing we talked about many, many, many episodes ago, and I, we brought it up a little bit today: who still is hurting from being shut from COVID? Because if you didn't get enough people to come back this year and your team wasn't good enough mm-hmm. and you were shut the year before, you might have lost money this year again. Mm-hmm. And if you lost money this year and lost money the year before, where are you going to sign these guys with? Oh, well, they're billionaires. They've got the money. Billionaires are billionaires because they don't lose money, people. <laughs> like, and if they've got something that's losing money, they take it as a tax write-off. They don't deepen the investment into a loser. Mm-hmm. They need to see that there's some type of sustainable thing. Now, yep. that's why for me, like, if I'm thinking about the Mets with Cohen, I think he's a guy who looks at this and says, we're not going to be cheap next year. But I don't need to be the top salary in the league next year. need to be frivolous year. either. Yeah. I can wait. I need more of this organization needs to get fixed mm-hmm. before I get to that point, before I really, I really go into it. Plus, I've got to see. Is Alonzo the answer? Is Lindor the answer? Mm-hmm. Who are some answers I have? Right? Because I'm going to find them out next year. And when you're the rest of the league, San Francisco's got a ton of money. They just got, got a big run on a light budget mm-hmm. with a lot of free agents coming out. They've got a lot of money to spend and nothing tied up and a whole bunch of young guys. The Mariners are going to have a whole bunch of money to spend and they're going to throw it. They're, the Mariners are going to do what Toronto did and they're going to take this nice young core and they're going to lean some good I hope a lot of people look at what Toronto's doing yep well Toronto's winning it all next year for sure but like the concept of how you bring your young talent in yeah and build a dynasty when did Bo make his debut right like how was Bo as a as a three years ago I want to say but like was Bo like the the dude right out of the gate like was Bo like an instantaneous like superstar? His rookie year, he played forty six games in twenty nineteen. He had a three eleven batting average, nine thirty OPS. So he came right out of the box, ready to ready to bake. Mm-hmm. He came right. He actually had a better OPS. I don't think Vladdy did. 
That's what's crazy. Vladdy's well, first year was Zan. Right. But, like, Bo came up. If he came up in 2019, at that point in time, he was roughly 20. He was about to be 21. Yep. Right? In his age 22 season, he batted 301. And then Vlad Guerrero Jr. came up that same year, mm-hmm. pl- but started right from the jump. He had a 900 OPS. But he played the full season, hit 30. Uh, no, wait, hold on. Back it up. I have he had it. a 772 OPS. Mm-hmm. So he went 772, 791, and then this year was 1,000. So Bo Bichette was the better player. Bo's been, been the guy right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But they let Vlad come out and just be meh for two years. For two years. Because his minor leagues number, numbers had to, like... Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s minor league numbers had to have been good enough to allow him to make the move to the show, right? So I'm pulling up his last year as a minor leaguer, and I have nothing. (laughs) I think we're all working on it. Did he never play? In the minors, no. So his minor league, did. his minor league career stats. He had a thousand and seventy five at bats. He batted three thirty one with forty four home runs and a nine forty five OPS. But he only got a thousand at bats as a minor leaguer. But he had a nine a, a, a nine thirty one OPS on a thousand at bats. The guy I want to comp him to for funsies. Mm-hmm. Is again, so so that would mean a thousand op- a, a thousand at bats is enough, right? Yeah. To really know where a guy is, but right. the reason why he was brought up was because he had gotten to a nine thirty OPS at that. Like he had finished. So, Mark Vientos, ding, uh, has eleven hundred and forty uh, career at bats in the minors, and he was drafted as a seventeen year old, and he has an eight oh six OPS in the minors. Last year, 933. Like, a thousand is a thousand the, the mark? Is a thousand like enough at bats for you to know? Mm-hmm. Like, at this point in time, if a guy's good at a thousand at bats and he's gotten a triple A, like, that's enough. Because you you look at that and yeah, listen, I, I get it. He's got, his dad is a, is a Hall of Fame level player. He's got all this other ability, all this other stuff. Again, Khalil Lee, 1,741 at bats, an 806 OPS in the minors. Last year, 951 OPS. Brett Beatty's at 600 so far with an 842 OPS. I like that's the point, right? Yeah. Like Brett uh, uh, Beatty is, like for me, kind of like the guy that they've been showing, but that's because mm-hmm. his 840 OPS is better than both of those two guys. Mm-hmm. Right at it at it at way less at bats. Yep. Right at way less at bats. So like they're moving him more rapidly through the system to get him to that point. Um, the last guy we're using as the as the comp, Bo Bichette, thirteen hundred at bats, eight ninety four OPS. And he has an eight ninety five eight ninety four OPS in the minors and an eight fifty in the majors. So his OPS only really dropped by about 40 points. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about one of the premier players in the game at this point. Right. Like, yeah, man. I, I look at it and I go, I don't need these guys to be superstars. I don't need Boba Chets. Mm-hmm. 
I need dudes who are starters every day. Yep. And yep. Khalil Lee with a, a, a center fielder with an 8-10 OPS in his career, when you also have to take into account that Bo Bichette and all these guys didn't have a COVID-missed minor league year. Mm. So a lot of these guys, they maybe would all already be up. They would have accumulated all these. Like Vientos finished this year as a, as a 22-year-old in AAA, but he missed all of last year. If he had done these numbers last year, right, mm-hmm. that would have been as an age 21 guy. He'd be in the show. Yep. Like, we would have brought him up this year. Here's what I'll say about just all the prospects we're talking about. And this seems like a likely concept. I don't really foresee the Mets making any big moves in the la- in the next three weeks. Yep. I, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that's probably not a thing. If anything, it'll be like one guy. Maybe two of a Javi, and then if they want to shock the world and go get Bryant. Those are probably the only two people I could see us doing. If that happens and we get into the lockout, I think all of a sudden our prospects become way better looking. And it's like, okay, maybe we do go down this yep. route because we can't do anything. Yep. And if especially if they don't have a GM, like they're gonna they're gonna be on the safe they're gonna err on the safe side, especially with Cohen being in only his second year as owner. Yep. And I think that's what they do. And I think that it'll satisfy the fans and enough of like, hey, we're gonna bring up the young guys and see how it goes. I know everybody wants to go win now, but at some point they'll recognize who says they can't but that's the thing right listen but and you bring up a bunch of prospects most people will not say uh, other than like the rays and it being like okay cool wander franco's jesus other than that i don't think the mets fans will fully recognize how good our people are what is who is the last who is the last player that we developed who didn't come up and play well um because this is where I'm, I'm most, I'm most frustrated with the Mets. I'm gonna, I'm gonna name drop somebody that uh, John mentioned, Gavin Cicchini. He was a so, highly so Gavin, touted guy. But, but Gavin was a, Gavin was a highly picked shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. Whose brother was a good player, mm-hmm. and he was given the benefit of the doubt as a draft pick. But Gavin never became that guy for the MLB level. I'm saying he was never that guy in the minors. Like his minor league career was underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking that he ever even had like a, a good minor league se- season. I'm saying, what's the last guy? Oh, no. that- the, the majority of the people who we brought up recently, and, and if you look at our roster, a lot of it is homegrown. They've at least come up and been adequate to pretty good. Other- Gavin Cicchini's, uh career minor league OPS is a 7.29. So like I, we're, we're and he and he got 83 at bats in the MLB. And has a 571 OPS, 217 it, batting average. 83 at bats total. 83 at bats total. Wow, I thought he was there longer. No, Damn. so that's my that, but that's my point. Like they probably only brought him up because they needed to. Mm-hmm. And last year it looks like he played a little bit in the minors because he's getting that bread to to keep playing it. And he had a 648 OPS. Um, cool, fine. More of my point is like you you look at who the Mets have brought Nimmo. Conforto, DeGrom, Syndergaard, mm-hmm. Wheeler, Harvey, Mats, Harvey, Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith. Like, your Nito. worst, your Tomas Nito, the worst player the Mets have had recently come up and play is Ahmed Rosario. And Ahmed yeah. was a mid seven hundred OPS mm-hmm. everyday starting shortstop for us. 
So then what's our issue? The issue is that we're abandoning the fact that we have been developing good players for years. And we're not relying on it. We just we just pulled up a whole bunch of at-bats for players, right, who, who've played in the minor leagues mm-hmm. at, in other organizations and other places and what they did and when they came up and how did it look. Right. Francisco Alvarez has 500 at-bats in the minor leagues, and he has a, a, a 9.33 OPS in the minors. I think we got to this point where in the in in the last like few years where we we won a little bit cool we brought up our young guys they were decent but we're now in the okay cool let's win now and not okay maybe we can recycle again and do this again but the, you can and that's all the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that every team can win now while still giving a young guy sure. a yes. spot in the lineup and letting him sink put th- the dude in the eight hole let him figure it the f out. Let a guy bat 270, but the reality is we're, we're playing. What did Villar bat this year? And this is a systemically across the league. We talked about this with Adley, with the Baltimore. With Baltimore. Like, you, you have guys playing who don't deserve. This season, Jonathan Villar batted 249. He had a 721 OPS. Oh, no, hold on. That was his projection. He had a 738 OPS. His career OPS is a 729 you got exactly what you thought, but it's only a 729. Only. What did Ahmed Rosario get? Because this is like for the Indians. Ahmed Rosario this past year with the Indians, a 731 OPS. So literally, Villar and, and Rosario are the same, but Ahmed is 25 and might be something. Valar is 30 and is definitely not. I think. Why are you playing that guy? It's because, like, we I, have this, oh, professional at bats and, like, all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, you're going to, you know what? You're going to lose some games because of a young player fucking up. Mm-hmm. Bleep that out in the, in the, in the, in the, in the future, maybe. Um, but I think that you're also going to have games you win because a young guy comes up and does something that nobody else could do. Right. I would say the only real difference to me in, in, uh, like and yeah, like if you exclude the outliers of oh, uh, occasionally the young guy will come do something great. Uh, Villar's best thing that would separate him from Rosario is his glove, and I think that's why in at least in the in this year why I would have rather have him. If you're saying that the numbers are comparable to the same, Villar's glove just outright better. He's a he was a better shortstop. When we moved him over there when we needed him to, and he was a very good third baseman for when we didn't have JD and it, we needed somebody there. But we also had uh, what's his name, who was in Triple uh, A all year, Drury. All Drury did was come up and smash, mm-hmm. and he's just another guy in our system. And like we again, the guy who I who I I I still to this day, it it saddens me that he's not a organizational Met for his entire career, because there's no reason that this player should ever have not been a Met, and it's Wilmer Flores. Right, mm-hmm. Wilm, Wilmer. The last three years, this year was his worst year, where he batted two sixty two with a seven eighty two OPS, and he plays and he plays uh, second, third, and first. Like, Loved Wilmer. 
Love I him. loved Wilmer, and I still love Wilmer. But you look at that, and I go, he's got a, in his nine-year career, he's got a 754 OPS. Mm-hmm. And that includes the fact that he was brought up as a 21-year-old, and in that age 21 season, he had a, uh, a 542 OPS in, in, in 101 plate appearances. So 2013, when they brought him up, that's the last time they were willing to eat a spot for a young guy to get at bats. And you know what he rewarded them with? A whole bunch of years where he had a, a, a high 700 OPS off the bench. Age 23... Uh, 703, but age 24, 788, 795, 848, 830. Then this year, 782. Like That's just solid. That I don't need him to be a superstar. I just need him to be our guy. Mm-hmm. And everybody's always rotating. We're Valar is somebody else's guy. Valar was somebody else's like young up and coming prospect who underwhelmed them. Mm-hmm. So he comes to us as just a savvy vet, and our savvy vet goes somewhere else. Yep. And it's just like, stop, why? Just just keep the dude. Give him the time. So, yeah, the my, my big piece that I guess I would say for what I'm hoping over the next coming weeks is I hope this CBA makes massive strides on bettering the lives of every player, not just the old heads. Because, yeah, you can go, oh, well, I got to do this for my 30 year old who's in free agency now, who's already sacrificed. Mm-hmm. When you think that way, you'll never make the right progress. Yep. Somebody's got to get, like, screwed over a little bit. And it's going to be the guy who's a free agent right now. Mm-hmm. But who's the loudest guy right now who's going to yield the most money right now? The guy who's a free agent right now. So he's both the loudest voice and. The one that needs to die mm-hmm. to succeed for everybody else. But we can't have I, I I can't have Adley Rushman in the minors. Nope. It, it it's a it's a systemic change that needs to unfold. And <sighs> what's most alarming is like there was no real news about the CBA for a little bit. And then uh, I think it was John Heyman came out and was like, yo, this this might be the most like lack of progress and hostile environment to get this done that he's ever seen. And that's alarming to me. And like we, we were around for a certain conversation and we saw the hostility that is on both sides. And I'm, I'm concerned. I I don't think this is going to progress how we want it to. And that's unfortunate because they're missing the fact that the, the common ground is the players. Like, let's do this for them. Let's figure it out because there's clearly things that they want that they're not getting. But I think the common the, the to me the common ground's not just the players. The common ground is the game of baseball. Right? Mm-hmm. And the common ground on the game of baseball is guys being kept in the minors is worse for the game. Guys getting exorbitant contracts and then not being able to unload them because they signed for twelve years when they're thirty is bad for the game. Mm-hmm. Both things need to be fixed, but both sides have reasons why they don't want to fix it. If you just were to rewrite the CBA and forget that anyone ever existed, you'd do this completely different. And I think that somebody's got to step in independently and be like, yo, here's a bill of rights for the players and for everybody. But here's a way for you guys to make sure that you can keep developing young players, Mm. but get them to the show faster. Yep. 
and then also have a reason why you have to bring them up. And again, my, my big thing that I'd love to see is that every young player is signed to a five-year maximum deal. Five years is maximum deal. Oh, well, it might take a guy five years just to, great, you guys can re-sign him after five years and give him another signing bonus. Oh, well, we drafted him for $5 million, and we put a lot of coaching into him and all this other stuff. Like, you know, we we, we want to recoup the value. Bro, you're going to get the value. But the thing is, and like, I agree with that, and I think that's also why the minor leagues are so flawed is because they do that. And then those guys don't make it to the show. Right. Or it takes them forever to right. do so. It's like, okay, well, then why did you draft them if they needed five years? If you if you draft a guy in the first round who five years later hasn't made it, it's either your organization or the player. Yep. It frees both of you up. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, well, what if he's a stud? I'm, I I know he's not his best when, he's, when I drafted him at 18 – I know if I bring him up at 21, he's not going to be the best version of himself. So I have to start getting him to free agency before he's the best version. Cool. Sign him to a deal when he's 22 and he only sign Wilmer Flores after his age 23 season when he had a 703 OPS. Mm -hmm. So if I told you that you had a 23 year old third baseman who batted 263 with 16 home runs and a 703 OPS. You tell me that you're going to sign that guy for anywhere between 8 and $12 million. And let's say that you're like, cool, we're going to sign him for four years, $10 million, $40 million. And then he, four years later in his, so 24, 25, 26, 27, his age 27 season when he gets another bite at the apple, he's going to have an 848 OPS. Yeah, he's 28. You're going to have to sign an 848 OPS guy at age 28 to another contract. Did you spend more on that guy? Yes. But if he shows you that he's worth it early enough, he deserved it. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't just... But now we're also not in a situation where we have to pay that guy. We have to do a 15-year contract for him because he's never gotten paid and he's starving. Right. Right? He just made $40 million. Hey, you made some nice progression. We're going to now sign you for $16 million a year. And Cool. The, the everything needs to change mm-hmm. everything needs to change and I, I don't know if any side is willing to do it but there's so much damn money that if you guys just all got out of your own ways and you fixed that thing the game would be better mm-hmm. and I could watch Adley Rushman every time he plays the Yankees crushing home runs out of Yankee Stadium crushing balls hitting 40 home runs and being a Hall of Fame potential catcher I would have been seeing that for the last two years mm-hmm. instead of I haven't seen it yet it's broken. It's broken. It's broken. Let's fix it. Cool. Sounds good to me. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like and subscribe. Let us know what free agent you want to see your team sign, and we will see you on the next episode. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>